Welcome to Trail Manners, the podcast so dedicated to mountain trails and running that they broadcast out of a 78 Volkswagen bus in the mountains. Who does that? Eric and Joel are your hosts and will bring you the trail life as you may have not heard it before. You hear about everything from gear reviews, nutrition to keep you upright and moving forward, and they'll even bring guests into the bus for conversations that you won't hear anywhere else. It's time for some running adventures on a higher elevation. The old 78 Volkswagen bus is fired up and headed to the mountains. Here are your hosts for Trail Manners, proudly representing the 801 with their passion and love for the trails, Eric Manning and Joel Hatch. Welcome to the Trail Manners Podcast, episode number 47, yet again, another Outdoor Retailer Series special. We're still here at the Ultra Spire House, talking with Jason Poole and Charles Corfield. So if this is your first time listening, then thanks for coming. The Trail Manners Podcast is produced every week for enjoyment, and show notes are found at trailmanners.com. Come back often, and please feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feed or iTunes. You can also follow us on Twitter. Instagram, and Facebook at Trail Manners. All links are in the show notes. Now let's get after it. Okay, welcome to yet another oh, man. Trail Manners podcast from the Outdoor Retailer Show. We are winding down. Yep. Last show of the day. We started yep. early. We did. We've got two new guests on the show. Right. Right? So we have Jason Poole. Yep. And Charles Corfield. So Hello. Hi, guys. So we're gonna we're gonna get right into it because so there's so, so I'm much to say, share. I'm gonna preempt something. All right, I'm ready. So at the end of the show, we always ask, "Who do you want somebody to play you in a the movie theater?" Okay. All right. I want Jason. He's a good looking fella. <laughs> he's got a good. He's got a good head of hair. Uh, he's got a good head of he hair. He does. He's got. And I, when good. I met him yesterday, I was like, "Now, that's a good looking fella." <laughs> And that's probably not been said enough about him. Do you right? want to switch me spots? Uh, and then I might need to. And then, then wow. you know, we, we met Charles, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, he's crazy smart. <laughs> yeah, right, I know. And I'm consistently surprised at this gig and the people we meet. Yeah. And I feel really lucky. Yeah. And, and really blessed because, I mean, Charles is whip smart, yep. right? We got to meet somebody else really smart a couple weeks ago, Dominic Layfield. Yeah. If you've never met him, very, very smart individual, yeah. right? You know, MIT, MIT Oxford. Oxford, yeah. They don't let anybody in there, yeah. right? I went to high so, school. <laughs> <laughs> so I just want to say that, you know. I, I think I'm, I should interject at this point. I'm I, really. I, I went to the real Cambridge, not oh. the false one at MIT. Okay, well, there you go. <laughs> I'm going to set my microphone down. I'm going to go sit outside. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, we're we're at the end of our long day. We've had some great interviews, and we were talking right before we went on the air. Um, Charles had this great story that uh, if if we're lucky, we're going to have to hear it again. Yeah. Right. And Jason's no slouch. He's he's been around. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, we we tried our best to stalk him, but he all his stuff really is not on Ultra Sign no, Up. As we and, found out. Yeah, and somebody had to spill the beans. Right. Where is she? She's really good at spilling the beans. Yeah. Melanie. 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 She ran away. She did run away. Bryce yeah. is like Melanie. So let's just get into it. So yeah. Jason, you know, we've talked about this and your first ultra was 1996. Yes, that's correct. Okay. Yeah. And what was that? You know, that was the Ice Age 50. It was okay. up in Wisconsin. Right. And how that came about was um, at that point, I don't think I'd ever run more than about 12 miles at any given time. 
but um, I was hooked in with a team who was preparing for the Eco Challenge. Right. That was really big back then. Really big. Yeah. yeah. And we were preparing for the race that was up in British Columbia. Right. One of our training events, a couple of us went up to run a 50. Right. Um, and that race, it was uh, very warm, hot and humid, as you right. might expect, in the middle of the summer. Um, but uh, went out and uh, knocked it out, had a really good finish, um, surprised myself, A, for just finishing, and then B, uh, finishing pretty well, you know, so right. I surprised myself. And, and that kind of just got me, got me hooked into the idea that, hey, this, this might be something I could, I could hang around with for a while. So that was 20 years ago. Wow. And, um, yeah, still, still doing it. So this is what I like to bring up when we run into a guest that's done some, some races like this, like, say, 20 years ago. Right. now the resources at our fingertips to find nutrition. Like instantly. Hydration. You know, all the, all the tips and tricks to run these. So you're, you've done a 12-mile race. Now you're jumping into a 50. How did you prepare? Like, how did you know what you needed, what you think you might need? Because 12 miles, 50 miles. There's a little right. bit of a difference in there. There is a difference, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and you're absolutely right. I mean, uh, back then, you know, I mean, Bryce can attest to this, you know, I mean, your, your options were very limited, you know, you right. had just a couple of nutritional companies offering products Get like right. power bar, power bar, <laughs> power bar. Exactly. And the little uh, bricks. I was hooked into power bar, right. you know, for many years. And, and that was, that's what you had, right. right. You know, and, um, and you made it work or you tried to make it work. Right. And, um, and, uh, it's, uh, it was it was it was a challenge. I mean, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I mean, it was a challenge getting through that first race. Um, really, really dehydrated when the uh, when it was all said and done. Right. Uh, but um, you know, it's it's significantly different. And uh, and and Charles could probably speak to this even more. Maybe if he was involved, you know, earlier than I was. But you know, we're we're so lucky now to have almost too many options. Right. You've got right. you got too many flavors to choose from. You got too many. Uh, Types of bars and right. gels, and, and so yep. it, it can get really complicated now. Yeah, you so. got tablets, you got pills, you got blocks, you got chews, you know, solids, yeah, wafers. Wait, wait, right. Those wafers are pretty good. <laughs> yeah, <right>. Come on, <laughs> they are. <laughs> but yeah, that's. I mean, it's always interesting to me because it is. It's a, something that we definitely take advantage of. I th- or take for, take for granted. Take for How's granted, that? right? So you can pick people's brains, but now yep. there's so many more people doing it. That's right. You know, so much right. more success at it because I'm gonna 1996. I'd never even heard of an ultra race. Right. Yeah, not, you were playing soccer. Kid. I was a soccer you guy. You were a soccer yeah. nut. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I heard of marathons, but I'm like, yeah, I got no desire for that. I just right. want to chase a ball around the field, right. you know, the rest of my life. So right. it's always interesting to me to see where things have morphed, you know, right. what people used, how they got their information. I mean, did you talk to anybody or did, yeah. did you just go right into it? You know, we kind of we jumped into it. Um, Oddly enough, before I did that that first fifty, and I'll say that was my first ultra, but that same year was the first year I did a, a little little event called the Barkley <laughs> Marathon. Just um, a little one. It, it's, uh, it's it's become itchy. kind of household name now, right. you know, because of the Netflix documentary that's come right. out. But, Which was um, a good movie, right? It was. It was. It was good. It did did a pretty good job of yeah. representing the kind of the flavor of the race, you know, that kind of thing, but. Right. Um, that same group of folks that was training for the Eco Challenge decided uh, one, one of our gal, our lady that was part of our team, had been down to do the Barkley right. before, and she kind of hooked us into, hey, there's this race in Tennessee. I think I can get us a spot in the race, and let's go down and try it. And um, you know, that was, like I said, that was 20 years ago. At the time, you could you, you could basically get into Barkley very easily. You right. know, not like not, not like today's uh, challenges of getting in the race, and um, 
so we went down and, and uh, made about one and a half, well, made one loop around, and then a couple right. of, the, of, the, of the teammates dropped out, and then uh, a few of us more made another half a loop, and then that was, that was the day, you know, that was it. And, you know, I mean, we were eating Snicker bars, we were, mm-hmm. you know, drinking Gatorade, I mean, you know, the, just the nutrition, back to your nutrition question and that kind of thing, there weren't options, you know, viable options back then, you know, right. so we, uh, and that was probably part of the reason for failure, you know, yeah. I mean, we, we just didn't have good choices back then. Right. So. Because, well, Jay, you've done Barkley. You've been in Barkley how many times again? Uh, this year was back for my seventh time. Oh, seven. Goodness. Yeah, I got a fun run finish and another three-loop finish this year. Um, um, yeah, and so it's, it's, it's been a part of my life for 20 years. Well, and then you've got Hard Rock, Leadville, Cruel Jewel, UTMB, uh, Tour de Jean. Yep. Um, I mean, the list goes on and on. Two-time 24-hour national orienteering champion. Uh, how many times Echo Adventure Racing? Did you say ten years? Or? Yeah, uh, yeah, I did about ten years of adventure racing, racing around the world, uh, Eco Challenge, Southern Traverse, down in New Zealand. Um, so all over. It's been some great experiences. So sure. when Jill some, talks some about roles too. yeah, when Jill talks some about movie roles, roles yeah. and your good head of hair, underneath yeah. that head of hair is a lot of experience <laughs> and a yeah. lot of knowledge of some of this stuff, right? Great. Well, because nowadays, I mean, when you talk about some of the races you've done, those are the creme de la cremes. You know, Hard yeah. Rocks and Leadville's and Barkley and Tour de Jean, UTMB, and you've done them all right so i mean come on <laughs> it's it's pretty uh uh overwhelming right i'm jill likes a head of hair i like what you've accomplished how's thank that you. thank you <laughs> no it's I, fun it's just it's been good fun over the years you know it's it's amazing right that yeah. he's been doing it for 20 years yeah we, we talk about the first generation of those kind of pioneers right yep and he's one of them yep he, he's seen it all and he he's he's stayed in it he's stayed healthy for the most part because he's still here, yep, and he's got a story to tell, yeah, right, and that's kind of what we're trying to do, going recently, for, right. Well, and so while we're on it, real quick before we jump into something else, how do you do the longevity of it? Right. I mean, because you still love it, or you still wouldn't be doing it. That's I mean, right. so how how did you stay that longevity in it? Still have the passion for it? Still enjoy what you do? Right. right. Yeah. You know, um, it's probably because it's kind of an unorthodox training program that I have. So I'm I'm not real structured. I've kind of just over the years, um, just trained kind of by feel, you know, it hasn't, it hasn't been structured. If I felt like running, I'd go out and run, or if I felt like doing this adventure, I'd go do that adventure. You know, and I think that's part of it. Um, you see lots of guys these days who are, um, you know, it's been alluded to earlier, you know, there's just race after race after race, they get hooked in with some sponsors. Right. Um, and I think it really starts to beat a person down, you know, so by, I guess regulating my races, you know, I mean, one or two kind of key races each year, it just keeps it interesting. You right. know, it keeps you motivated. Um, you get a goal, you focus on it, you accomplish right. it, uh, generally have a good result. Um, and then, and then the, and the interest is just continues, you know, year after year after year. So it's really, it's pretty interesting to see now this, this younger crew coming in, you know, and some of these guys, like the guy that won Western States this year, you yeah, know, he's 20. Andrew Miller, yeah. Right? I mean, Isn't that you amazing? know, he's less than half my age. Right. You know, I'm dating myself here, but um, it's it's on one hand, it's super impressive. Right. Um, on the second hand, it's it's kind of it it puts things in perspective for me to think, wow, you know, I'm I'm still doing this after right. that long, you know. Now those those guys are half my age, you know, more. So. 
So what haven't you done? I mean, you've done so much. What haven't you done that you still want to do, whether it's a race, adventure, you know, what it is? I mean, there's something that's still lingering out there. Yeah, for sure. Um, so later this month, there's an event um, many many listeners may know called Nolan's 14. Right. Um, and uh, I'm going to make an attempt on Nolan's 14 uh, with a friend of mine. Um, it's a, it's an event that's run in, in the Sawatch Range of Colorado. Right. The mountain range that kind of runs from Leadville down to Salida. And in that range, there's 14, 14,000 foot peaks, roughly in a, in a row. Right. And uh, the idea behind that is to make it across all 14 peaks and down in 60 hours or right. less. So it's a pretty big undertaking. It's roughly 100 miles right? Uh, with approximately 45,000 feet of elevation gain. And not uh, really an established trail. Not really an established trail, no. You kind of pick your route. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of where I hope my orienteering background can kind of come in handy Ooh, there yeah. um you know route choice is key mm-hmm. um if there's a trail and you can utilize it it's it's great if there's right. not then you just head down to scree field and yep. make your way over to the next uh, peak but mm-hmm. you know one of the big challenges i think with that is you know altitude right you know and oh yeah people are always concerned about going to leadville for altitude and that kind of thing for that race or hard rock and um this you know this event you know will keep us up above ten thousand feet almost the whole time right so. Well, and you, like you said, you're up to 14 and you're back down. You're up to 14 and back mm-hmm. down. So that, right. that takes its toll right. yeah. Just yeah. Yeah. on your so, body itself. Yeah, so that's an upcoming adventure. It's not a race, yeah. uh, but it's something that, um, you know, has interested me for about six years, I guess, or so. Right. Um, and now just seems like we've got the right partner involved. Um, mm-hmm. It's the right opportunity, right time. Right. So, yeah. That's awesome. We'll, we'll definitely uh, follow you when you do that. Yeah, for sure, because right? that's always fun for us. I mean, Jared, we know Jared Campbell. We know people have done it, and it's sure. just it's awe-inspiring for it sure it's just yeah. to see people Pretty do cool. that. Yeah. Now we're going to jump over to Charles. Yeah, because he's been really quiet. He's been quiet because, you know, we haven't ignored you He anything. just told the most amazing story before we got <laughs> on the podcast. And I, I, I was trying to push to get him on the podcast. I'm like, because he's telling this story that just blows your mind. Right. right? So you've been in the game for a couple of years, right? <laughs> Yeah, I think so. You gotta hold it up here. Yeah, you gotta. Hold, you, you, yeah, the, you, want, you want the microphone right there. Yeah, yeah, there we go. That that's how this these work. All right. Okay. So yeah, you've been doing this for a couple of years. Yeah, one right? or two. So you've got over a hundred ultra finishes. Yep. First of yep. all, but we were kind of talking to you going down because, like we said, we do a lot of Facebook stalking. But there's a lot of stuff you do that may not show up on what's ultra signups. Right. Or, or, or recently on Facebook. It's not on Snapchat. Yeah, Snapchat. <laughs> Whoever does that. Yeah. But you've been to the top of Everest. Yep. The Himalayas. Yep. yep. Um, wow. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, seriously. Right. right. I mean, we get to talk to the coolest people ever. I know. It's like, I get to do this for fun? I know. Right? But, I mean, tell us tell us some of your background, though, because Cambridge. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, going way back when, uh, I guess like many people, I was introduced to running uh, at high school. I grew up in England, uh, so much like uh, Ian, I... Uh, um, did high school cross country and my job there was to fill out the rankings I'm solid middle of the pack material genetically and we but it, I, was kind of, I found it kind of fun because one of the conversations we had that I still remember from high school is well who amongst us is going to be running in 20 years time right <laughs> when we when we you know start to think about when we're going to be old men of 40 and well, thank you. You're, <laughs> you're very welcome. <laughs> thank you. you. Calling me 40. I, I appreciate that. And, uh, and we hypothesized then that the, the people who were the stars would probably give it up 
because there's going to come a point when they're not a star any longer. Right. And so it'll be hard on their motivation to stay in the game, whereas those of us who did it because it was generally a, believed to be a good idea and good for your fitness and good for health might well still be doing it in 20 years' time. Well, uh, now I can report on the outcome of that hypothesis. <laughs> it turned out to be true that <laughs> all the stars that we knew of back then have long since given up, and all of us plodders who were there in the middle of the bell curve <laughs> just kept on doing it. Kept plodding. Kept plodding. <laughs> yes. And so after you know, sp spending a bunch of time in the 1990s, uh, um, basically being Brad Washburn's gopher on Mount Everest so he could get uh, the height of Mount Everest but measured with GPS equipment. Uh, I realized I could plod for a very long time. Right. And so life after Everest had me looking around for other things which involved doing something for a very long time. There may be a personality trait here, which is that perhaps if you're slightly Asperger's and can find <laughs> putting your foot, one foot in front of the other 200,000 times in a row, eternally fascinating. How many times have you actually counted that high during a race? <laughs> Because it seems like you have uh, experience uh, in doing this. Actually, about 74 times. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <that's good. laughs> um, but uh, we laugh about it, but there's probably a bit of a personality trait where people will self-select into doing these endurance events because they can stay on task for hours at a time. And so that next footstep you take is as fascinating as the previous footstep you took and you're right. happy to repeat that process for hours mm -hmm. uh, and so i think there is a personality trait which comes into being able to do these and also in my case because um, my background i'm an applied mathematician so i get uh, curious and interested about things which are often not very interesting to other people uh, and so what it took to take somebody who is maybe, shall we say, not a naturally gifted mutant, like um, we, we, we see nowadays, you know, these in just incredibly talented young athletes coming onto the scene. But what does it take for somebody who's more middle of the pack to, shall we say, get themselves as far forward in the pack as they can. And so I looked at it as being something of a science project for me. So the ultras are, how do you take the hand you're dealt? And what simple bits of science can you apply to it to run that race as smart as you can? And where we were talking about all these supplements and what have you, the problem is, for most ultra runners, they really actually have no idea whether a supplement is any good or not because right. they don't know the physiological basis of whether it's pure placebo or what the mechanism is available to them which can enhance their performance. Well, I'm not intimidated at going into the literature and thinking through the physiology here. And so I've been able, in my own case, to run various experiments to test out ideas. Right. Uh, for example, people who run long distances often complain about sour stomachs. Mm -hmm. And that's one of their performance-limiting things. They just can't choke down enough food. Right. Yep. But do they ever stop to ask, 
well, why does my stomach act up? Right. And the physiology is actually pretty simple. And there's a fairly simple potential cure available to them as well. But I never see it really discussed in the literature. But here goes. Here's a podcast. Now we're ready. Everyone, tune in. <laughs> Here's an experiment you can go do yourself. So one of the reasons you get a sour stomach and nothing's going through is because your blood is shunted away from your GI tract. Right. And the sphincter, that is that valve at the bottom of your stomach, is just not relaxing. Right. So everything backs up in your stomach. Nothing gets into your intestine to be absorbed. And you know what happens? Stomach gets over full. Stomach empties. Right. So you throw up. Trail. Yep. You throw up. Well, there's a very simple drug which outside of America is over-the-counter, so you can go into any chemists, as we would say in the <laughs> British Empire, former, <laughs> now ex-colony of Europe, <laughs> or shortly to be. And uh, you can go and get uh, motilium or domperidone. It's a non-sedating antiemetic which will relax the pyloric valve or pyloric sphincter at the bottom of your stomach. My bet is that for most endurance athletes who have stomach troubles, if you take, uh, take 10 milligrams of domperidone or motilium every six hours, you will find that uh, that sour stomach never comes on. Okay, so here's a question that we have to ask, very obvious. Is this a banned substance? No. That was Do you need easy. a prescription for it? You would in the in U.S. The US. In the U.S. So then it probably is going to fall under that category of you. Now, we're not advocating you go out and, and you get this because we don't want anybody getting well, in no, trouble, you, right? But uh, you aren't advocating it, and I certainly ain't prescribing it because I'm not a physician. Right. So, But I'm telling you the physiology. Right. And if you, an athlete, want to go out and find out for yourself. Right. You know, for, Put in your asterisk here about go consult with your physician who probably right. hasn't heard of it. Um, but you can go and do the research and experiment yourselves. Well, that was my question is, so what is it, what's the, what's it, what's it used for treating? Like, what's the... What's this general... Yeah. Well, in America, it would actually be used for lactation problems. That would be the prescription okay. use of hmm. it. So it'd be but hard... For, uh, but for Commonwealth countries, <laughs> it's, an, it's just an over-the-counter antiemetic. Huh. And unlike uh, uh, antiemetic agents available in the U.S., it's non-sedating, which is its attraction that it doesn't make you go to sleep. <laughs> gotcha. Wow. But that huh. is a th not so much here to discuss medicine as physiology. That think through why are you getting a sour stomach. The reason right. is usually fairly simple. It's a blood shunt right. away from your uh, GI tract and your stomach is not emptying. Right. Ergo, how do you make your stomach empty? There are other reasons about what you may want to put in your stomach, which has to do with how fast your stomach can move stuff through to the intestine where it will be absorbed. So one of the things, and this is basically the physiology behind hammer products is that, and the other gels, is that Maltodextrin is one of the easiest compounds to move through your stomach because a 20% solution of maltodextrin will go through relatively unimpeded, whereas if I give you a glucose solution, 
I can only get six or seven percent glucose right. through. So when you think about your caloric requirements on a long distance run, the amount of fluids you'd have to drink with just glucose that can move through your stomach would be prodigious. Right. Ergo, use maltodextrin instead because a much smaller volume can deliver the same number of calories. The bad news is that often these products have other things in them which right. are pretty icky after 30 miles. <laughs> they are. <laughs> so I think that's a good way to describe it. <laughs> very that's, icky. That's how your mouth stuff. feels. It's mm, so, icky. you know, a tip to people is um, if you're willing to put a little skin in the game, go order maltodextrin powder online. I mean, you can get a tub of eight or eight pounds or 12, a sack of 12 pounds on Amazon for a very modest price. Go make up your own maltodextrin gels. Uh, there's some great uh, flasks from uh, Ultraspire. You can go put them in. So you can make up your own, put your own flavoring in, and I would av advise avoid sugar. So put coffee in, put cocoa in, put vanilla in, mm -hmm. put soup in, right. whatever turns your crank, make up your own. You'll save a ton of money. You'll have all the physiology in your flavor right. and none of the sort of sundry guff, <laughs> which can make the, as I say, make these products pretty icky after right. a while. You know, another example, there's the simple science of it about how to get calories right. in the system. So you can see here, part of my approach to it is I can't tell you much about how to coach you to be a better runner in terms of running form or how many miles you should run this week. But I can tell you a lot about how you can do simple things to tilt the odds in your favor. Right. That is what I found very fascinating about ultra running as this sort of problem in physiology. Now, in my case, my analogy would be it's a bit like driving an old clunker across country. I mean... Or a 78 Volkswagen bus. Yeah, basically. Yeah. You know, it, it's underpowered. There we go. There we it go. squeaks. There we go. It stinks. You have... Stinks. Yeah. Uh, you have to watch all the fluid levels and yep. every meter you can and heaven help you when blue smoke comes out the tailpipe. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Been uh, there. <laughs> but it, it's a constant battle to monitor your physiology as you're running around a race. So right. Some of it's psychology and some of it is really just trying to figure out what's really my worst problem right now? Yeah. <laughs> you know, what do I need to be preventing from happening in right. the next 30 minutes or an hour? So you can see here, I, I'm the sort of mad scientist uh, who meets ultra running. I like that because now I'm going to put some multidextrin in my bus. Yeah. See, see if that word gets the clunker across the country, right? You're doing that trip by yourself, yeah. buddy. You know, that's a testable hypothesis. Let us know how it goes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he did not step up for that experiment, know, did right? he? He did. He passed that one right on yeah, to me. Yeah. Right on to me. So some of, the, some of the things that you've done, I mean, you have uh, seriously a myriad of things between Everest Himalayas and, and the studies you do. Yeah. What keeps you doing this? I mean, you talk about plodding along. I mean, what keeps you doing these adventures, doing these races, being a part of that culture? Well, I'm always curious about things. I right. always like to know what I can, what I can get this old clunker to do. Um, I take a leaf out of Buzz Burrell's uh, notebook, which is always have a sense of adventure. Uh, so it's not necessarily about racing. Uh, it's about finding just interesting routes to go do. Or 
there are just some things you just end up, uh, you always want to go back because they're always, they're always interesting. For me, the white rim. Um, okay. okay. You know, I've run the white rim, the circuit there. It's about 100 miles round, so I've run it a number of times. Uh, Pete Beckwin told me at some point that I'd run it more times than everybody else put together or something <laughs> like that. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> but uh, it's, it's the kind of route where, uh, you know, the mountain bikers ask me, have you ever ridden the White Rim? So I said, uh, well, sort of, yeah. I chained my bike to the gate at the bottom of the Schaefer <laughs> Trail, and I picked it up when I was done. <laughs> I rode home. <laughs> yeah. That was my transportation to do yeah. on foot. <laughs> well, that's to get in, in and out on the, uh, on the potash <laughs> or on the main park road. <laughs> so with, with what, I mean, you guys have both seen, you know, we, it's been a topic, what we're doing, the, the change with, with running and ultra running and things like that. I mean, what I like to get from people is like, what, what kind of advice would you have for somebody that's getting, maybe just getting into just it. getting into it? Cause we get a lot of people that, you know, for our show, especially it's like, okay, you talk to the, the ultra runners. I'm never going to run a hundred, but right. I'm really interested in getting on the trails, but yeah. kind of intimidated. And there's right. so much literature and information, but what kind of advice, I mean, you guys are full of knowledge, right. you know, from experience. What kind of right. advice do you have for people that want to get into the you know, trail I saw, thing? It's a good question. I saw an interesting um, statistic, I think it was in ultra running recently, about the number of uh, runners who are doing ultras in 2015. And they said of, of all the runners that ran, uh, only 8% had done the hundred mile distance. Right. So the other 90 plus percent of the people start out with shorter races. You know? Right. And I think that's a good suggestion, really. I, I don't think, you know, maybe what I did and jumping right into a 50 from not really running before probably wasn't the best idea, but at the time, you know, it made sense for what we were trying to do. But I would right. say, you know, just, just bite off, bite off a little bit at a time. Right. right. So get your feet wet with it. Um, once you do that, um, I think, you know, you, you quickly figure out, okay, the sports for me or it's not for me, right. you know, and I can't tell you the, the number of times I know my, my wife can attest to this is I'll, I'll finish, finish a race. And I say, all right, I'm done. <laughs> yeah. I am done. Uh, you know, I'm never, never running doing this again. again. I, yeah. Exactly. So you, and you two days later, you are, like, I'm looking at yeah. the uh, internet like, all right, well, when do I need to sign up for this next exactly. race? You know? So, and, and there probably is a commonality among a lot of ultra runners, you know, that, um, we have short memories, right? You know, we do. We, we, we're going through miserable times out there, um, and and uh, but but not long after that, then you realize, hey, I'm I'm looking for the next adventure. So, you know, I'd, I'd say yeah, start off slow, slow. I'd say talk to talk to peers, right. talk to friends who have some experience. You know, get their mm -hmm. get their take on things. Um, you know, there's a there's a lot of knowledge out there that's just for, from firsthand experience. You know, right. and and uh, you do that and can determine if it's if it's a sport for you or not so and, and i think the unique part about it is we have this discussion all the time and it, we were in the same position right when you first get into it and i think the the beauty of the community of the trail or ultra running community is people are super they're ready to give you information absolutely you know it's yeah. not like they're holding back or they don't want to get, get right. involved they're right. it's like they're genuinely excited right almost to have you come join their tribe you know, right. you know yeah. so if you yeah. add, it's like, I know when it's I first started, community. Yeah, I was know? always nervous to ask that stupid question, yeah. right? And so I was like, oh, I'm not going to say anything. Then I'd go out and something bad had happened. Like, Man, I should ask that question, yeah. you know? No, so. I, you know, and I have a lot of people come up to me and, and, uh, and are interested first timers, you know, how do I get in the sport? Right. What do you, what do you suggest? That kind of thing. And it tickles me. I mean, you know, I mean, just to be able to see somebody else express an interest in the sport, 
you know, if I'm able to give them one tidbit of information, great, you know, um, but, you know, I think it's a pretty likable, pretty approachable crowd. You know, a lot of the races that I do are, are smaller races, you know, Hard Rock as an example, you know, right. less than 150 runners, right? So right. each time you get lucky enough to get a chance to go back down there, you know, you're seeing, uh, seeing people that are good friends, you know, it's a, it's, it's a family type feel, right? And, and people are inviting, right? People are uh, open, um, open to help you, open to give you suggestions. Um, yeah, it's, it's, a neat, it's a neat community for right. sure. You know, I had, I had a pretty unique experience last night. I'll, I'll go ahead and throw this out. I had the opportunity to, to run with uh, one of my icons in, in the sport, Rock Horton. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, and Rock, Rock <laughs> said, hey, you know, meet me after the show. Yeah. Um, I'm going to take you up on a special run. And you don't and say like, no. That, I don't, do you, you don't say you don't no. Say so, it doesn't so, matter what commitments you already have. That's right. right. Out the window. You're, you're, you're out there. Yeah, I'm gone. Yeah, so I parted ways with, with Bryce and the crew from right. Ultra Spire. And they understood. And, absolutely. They said, you got to go. <laughs> yeah. You got to go. So went to Rock's house. You yeah. know, I didn't have running stuff with me, really. I mean, I had my yeah. shoes. He's like, I'll give you a pair of shorts. I'll give you a shirt. You can right. borrow a pack. I got some, I got some gels. He might have We're a going. headlamp or two. He, he might. It. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, he, so he took me down in his man cave. He's probably going to be mad that oh, I tell you about yeah, this. Yeah, come on. Spill the beans. I mean, it's, it's, yeah. it is a room that it's amazing is you it? know it's it's bigger than any showroom that i'd seen you right know on. and gear floor to ceiling yeah uh amazing so uh we suited up you know headed up into probably had your own changing room didn't you yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right you would think so yeah <laughs> yeah uh it, it was fantastic you know drove up he took me up on the wasatch course yeah uh we did you guys go in the sprinter what's that did you guys go in his sprinter he's got a sprinter uh, no, we did not go in the sprint. Okay. No, no. Went in uh, Catherine's car. But, uh, you know, just got, I'd never done Wasatch. So he's okay. like, okay, this is, this is the aid station, you know, one of the aid stations for Wasatch. We're going to head out from here. Right. You know, and, and he took So where'd you guys start his, at? Uh, up Mill Creek. Okay. okay. That's yeah. good. Yeah. Uh, by uh, Desolate. By Desolate. Did you guys go in the new section of the course, course up I, there? They I, cut this new trail up there. They cut some new, he showed me kind of what was the old trail. And right. He said, this it's is like super troughed up yeah. there. Yeah. 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 Exactly. But. You know, I mean, we, we started, started, you know, evening hours, uh, just a beautiful, quiet evening. Right. Uh, not a lot of people on the trail. And he just wove story after story for right. me about his experience on the, you know, in the Wasatch race, whether it was racing it, whether it was pacing it. Yeah. You know, talking about the Crimson Cheetah and only a handful yep. of women had, had achieved this massive, you know, results at this race and mm -hmm. how he was involved with pacing, you know, several of them and helping them achieve their their, their goal. Right? right. And that's, that's kind of the thing. I mean, it's just, it's a, it's a great community, mm -hmm. uh, of people, you know, and I think that's part of the reason that I've stayed with it so long, you know, the people that I've met here, uh, in the community. Um, yeah, it just keeps you coming back. For yeah. Sure. The stories are amazing. Well, and there's, there's something to, to be said, like you said, rocks talking about other people's races, yeah, right? It wasn't absolutely. like he was other saying, yeah, when I ran, it's like, man, it was cool pacing. Exactly. Yeah. So it wasn't necessarily, necessarily his rocks, accomplishment. He's a good runner. Oh, he's well accomplished right? and oh, done it all. He, yeah. and probably yeah. one of the most respected there is. Right? Absolutely. Right. That. Absolutely. Phenomenal but, guy. But you yeah. see so, that because me and Joel talk about it. We've done on shows. We have friends that, you know, we've done say hundreds before them. So they came to us first sometimes. Right. And, you know, sometimes for us, even it's like well, I don't know if I should be giving you advice. Yeah, exactly. You know, Why are you coming to yeah, me? Yeah, right. <laughs> Just but, because I got a podcast doesn't mean yeah. I know what I'm doing. <laughs> but when you see him finish, it's almost like. Like you're saying, it's almost it means just as much to you. Almost yeah. like wow, that is yeah, the neatest sure. thing to see them accomplish that because you know what it's like, mm -hmm. right? When people ask you questions, you know what it's taken to accomplish that. Whether it's the training, the being away from your family, because we talk about how 
this is really this is a selfish. selfish sport. Absolutely. Right? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. it really You've got to have a supportive, if you're married, you know, you've right. got to have a supportive spouse. Yep. And so that's yeah. critical. Yeah, so it's it's just neat to hear you say, I mean, what, with Rock, I mean, some of the stories was... Uh, paste these these to their crimson cheetah right but that's that's how it is with most people that we even come across and mm-hmm. talk to you know ian Sharman and you know jeff brownings and the people that are podium if you will you right know, 100 mile wins Absolutely. they talk about other people yeah you know it's not necessarily i don't want to talk about me but this one guy this one yep. person i coached did this so that's that's why we kind of come back to what advice you have because you've done it all and you get just as much joy out of seeing somebody you know do Oh yeah. Somebody you know see, that's see them exp- for yeah. See them reach their goal. You know that's right. the thing. Um, I think that's it's just it's special that way. Yeah. And so what about what about for you, Charles? I mean, far as you know, where advice you have? You know, can you talk about you know all the experiences you've had being the plotter, the right. middle of the pack? Because I mean, let's face it, most of the people that run are the middle of the pack, the they majority. Are. It's not the the elite. What kind of advice would you have for people that want to get into it, or not even get into it, but like have some longevity into it? Yeah, well, for people starting out, um, one of the things I think about again is from the physiology, what are they going to be experiencing? And what's going to happen is their muscles are going to respond first. And so they're going to get, they're going to improve very quickly from where they are. (coughs) And it's going to be a great confidence builder. And now comes the danger because bones, tendons and ligaments are tissues which respond on a much longer time scale than muscles. So the old advice about make haste but slowly is um, to get them to rein it back in in the early days because their muscles will get out ahead of their tendons, bones and ligaments and they'll get an overuse injury, a tendonitis, they'll pull something and then they'll go through, you know, the depths of the depression, you know, that, oh, I'm injured, I can't right. do anything. And then you've got to go through the suck it up phase where uh, you've got to encourage people that, no, the reason you're hurting is because your body is adapting. This is not bad. Mm-hmm. And it's going to pass. This is not going to hurt all the time. Your tissues are responding now. And so if you just keep plugging away, right. you'll come through that phase. Now, a little further on, you know, people are thinking about, say, their first marathon. This is their Mount Everest. Yep. They have no idea if they can do it or not. Right. I mean, it is such an iconic event for people to run. So there's this tremendous apprehension which leads up to that first marathon. Well, of course, physiologically, they probably are quite capable of doing it. It's more of a mental block. Well, now some months later, they actually do it. And now they realize they can do a marathon. Right. And this is where you begin to see people thinking about, well, if I could do the Mount Everest, what else could I do? Well, they get to the top of the mountain, and they're like, oh, there's another mountain over yeah, there. It's, it's a little summit. bit bigger. <laughs> yeah. And, yep. you know, actually, I can do this. Right. And then let's move the time machine along a bit further. You realize they've got to a point where they go, I could do a marathon any day of the week. Right. You know, I've done enough of them. I know mm-hmm. how to work. I know I can do a 50K now. Or right. I know I can do a 50 miler. Now let's move the clock on a bit further. And this is where, to my mind, you see your fellow humans and citizens both at their best 
and at their worst. Now picture, say, the finish of a 100-miler like Leadville. This is an uphill finish in full view (laughs) (laughs) of a grandstand of people and everybody in the universe who seems to be standing along that road you have to come up. Right. And the time is now, this is the last hour Mm -hmm. of the race. And you're seeing people coming up. These are not the podium finishers. These are people for whom this is not a race against the winner. This is a race against themselves. And they've had to dig very deep to get to the bottom of that hill. And goodness me, they find it in themselves that they can pick up the pace. You see people running uphill finishes. (laughs) Right. And now let's move a little bit further ahead in time. We're now down to the last few minutes. That shotgun blast is going to go off. And you see somebody just come around the corner at the bottom of the hill. And there is this sort of visceral electricity that builds in the crowd as they cheer this person to sort of inject them with the energy. Can they get across the finish line Mm -hmm. before that shotgun goes off? That, to me, is some of the best parts of ultra running you will ever see. It's not the podium finisher. It's those people who are your average Janes and Joes who have set themselves that challenge, and by, you know, by God, they do it. Yeah. Right. You know, I, th- I think you bring up early on. You brought up a something that we hear a lot of, or I have, is when you're starting out. You know, I've had people come up to me. Ah, yeah, I tried trail running, but you know, I got shin splints, and mm-hmm. so it's not for me. Or, you know, I hurt this, or I hurt that. And a lot of times, it's they don't go back to it because yeah, like, well, right. I hurt myself. But, but as you said, it's that take it, take. Take it easy into Take it. Take your time. Yeah, yeah, don't don't rush and say, okay, well, you know, I want a five. I want to run a five k. So on the trail, I'm gonna today. I'm gonna go on three, four miles. Yeah, whatever. I've had to tell people bluntly, it's not your knees, dude. It's your excuses. That's <laughs> <laughs> no, a good point. Yeah, I, it is. Yeah. Because uh, I know it sounds a little harsh to say so, but um, as a species, all of us, you know, ultra runners and everyone else. We find it very easy to make excuses not to do things. Yeah, yeah. And uh, when you've seen those finishers at Leadville that I just talked about, you know, you just want to tell that person, you know, you, you just have no idea what you're capable of, dude. Right, yeah. <laughs> you know, go stand there at the finish. Right. Well, even a couple and of years. Then come and tell me that you can't do this because of your knees. Right. <laughs> well, and the, what you mentioned about Leadville, I think it was a year, two years ago, maybe three and by now, I don't know. At Hard Rock, there was somebody that came in like literally last second. Same with uh, Western States. Western, and, but they had like the, the streets were crowded. Everybody right. was still there and just screaming and yelling. And this, I mean, I still remember the wa- Hard Rock because I watched it like four times. Right. Yeah, this person me. is just sprinting. Yeah, that was doing me. And uh, yeah, he and I go out and do projects together. Oh, that was. He is the perfect embodiment of the spirit of endurance athletics. Oh, right. that was moving. He's not your podium finisher. Yeah. And the guy is just so enthusiastic about it all. I mean, he's, he's an absolute delight to be around. 
Yeah, it was it was for me. I watched like five or six times because it was just so moving. All mm-hmm. these people are screaming. Yeah. And this guy's just putting everything. You're yeah. looking at the clock. Oh my gosh! Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. yeah. So I mean, that's that's a great great story. But the other thing you guys bring that we talked about is so much experience. Yes, product wise, right. you know, you've been around, tested things. You know, Jason, right. you talked about one of the first. You know, products you use for a handheld. Right. right. So you both for Ultraspire, it's inspired by athletes. So you help with uh, design. tinkering, right? right. Product design, yeah. things like that. Refinement. Yeah. So yeah. let product me let me ask you guys a question. We've already asked uh, some other guests, and this might be a little bit more, you know, personal because you've had a, a part or a play in this, and you've known Bryce for a long time and the processes he's gone through to develop product. What's your your product. What's your favorite Ultraspire yeah. product? Because you've been probably a part of building it or, or designing or helping. Yeah, you know it's. Um, yeah, you know, and it's been fun, fun following Bryce. You know, kind of in the background. Uh, we actually haven't had a personal relationship for that whole time by any means, but you know, starting back from Ultimate Direction and pr- progressing through Nathan and now with Ultraspire. You know, right. Um, following that, that, the product choices that you have um, and have had is, has been pretty amazing. Um, and it was always those companies that you went to. You know, if you were a serious runner, that's that's who you went to, yeah. right? And uh, you know, there's there's a particular pack that that uh, Bryce has got in the lineup called the Zygos. Mm, yeah. um, it's it's a medium sized pack right. um, More than that a has a has a has a wide variety of uses. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and it's it's very very versatile. Um, I, I tend to gravitate towards that pack for a number of reasons. Um, one, um, I tend to maybe carry a little bit more stuff than most runners. Um, right. I just, I don't know. I, I have a particular food regimen that I stick very closely to during these races. Um, I tend to be a little bit cold more frequently than the other people. So I tend to have maybe an, an extra layer or two, that right. kind of thing. The Zygos is, is very functional. Um, fits like a glove it does um yeah if you've had a chance to use it before yep. this latest rendition um is, is has some changes from the from the previous model that was out um and 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 to your point um i was fortunate enough to to kind of just uh have a small very small part in in that pack um you know one of the things is you know uh lately the rise of trekking poles right, yeah, has, right. has come on the scene you know and i first got the chance to use trekking poles way back in an event called the trans rockies that i did oh yeah right um it was about uh man it was i don't know seven or eight years ago i guess something like that now and um borrowed some poles and you know the, the trick with the poles with a lot of packs is that you've got to stop take the pack off to put the put the poles away right same thing to stop and get them off to, to, to use them again and so just tinkering with an existing uh ultra spire pack that i had you know developed kind of a way to carry those poles mm-hmm. uh on the back underneath the pack with some shock cord and some you know um right. and it, it allows you to basically get the poles out right use them put them back in without ever basically breaking the stride right um and um my my just rough rough prototype you know, Bryce was able to turn into something really nice, really streamlined, mm-hmm. and uh, and it's kind of cool to kind of see that now out in a production model. So you right. know, you guys can go buy that pack and and utilize that technology. And um, anyway, so I, I I just think that pack is it's it's going to be a great hit. This latest version, um, I'm real excited for people to be able to get out and, and, and so use you're gonna it. use so that one from Nolan's 14. I think so. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to use something uh, either that pack or even maybe the next next size up which is called the epic yeah okay uh it's it's a little bit bigger pack um but both of those packs are great you know and um yeah you know 
I think I I just like to I like to have a little more gear with me. I like okay. to be comforted out in the mountains. Yeah, know? gotcha. I mean, I've been, I've been around in Dong enough to know that some, when you, you get know, caught hair, out, some hair product. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah, some hair product. He likes his hair. You know, he does. Like well, I don't well, have much hair. Yeah, it's that's true. Out. That's true. That's a little true. jealousy. Yeah, yeah. so it's totally so, jealousy. Hair more than anything else. That's great. So yeah, you know. But anyway, you know, I've been out on more than one occasion when. You get caught out and you don't have what you need. Yeah. So I'd rather be prepared. You yeah, know? Exactly. That's, that's just me. So. Yeah. Well, I, I had the fortune to wear the Zygos two years ago during Wasatch. Okay. That was the pack I chose. Yep. Uh, yeah. And some of the shots Joel, he paced me, took of me, had like really good shots with the Zygos. Nice. It, it looked good on me. So <laughs> I'm going to say that. It was yeah. blue. So. Hint, yep. hint. But yeah. it was a great, it was a great, Model. yeah, it was a great, uh, it's a great pack because it does, yeah. it has enough space. But what I like about that pack though is you talk about how much it holds, but even if you don't, pack it it's not like it's bulky no so it's not yeah. you know it's like well it cinches down it cinches yeah, down, it cinches nice. down really nice and that's why i like it because yeah. sometimes i will take extra comfort yeah. or weather yeah. or whatever it is but if i don't it's not like it's just as flapping in the breeze no. or no you know sloppy so right. that's that's why and that's a testament things. to the design right the right. amount yeah. of time effort that's gone into proper design because right. you know you, you 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 see so many other packs uh, available to consumers these days and and they, they're just yeah they don't fit well yeah. you know what i mean so attention to detail i think is one of the the keys to to ultra spire products right yeah. sure, so how about you uh charles what about you i know you yeah. you're kind of the same same along the same lines with inspired by athletes kind of helping with some tweaks or, or guinea pig type stuff what what product do you like to take out or have with you uh, on the line uh, um I use a Spry or an Alpha 2, uh, probably of my most popular ones. Um, but I'd like to echo what Jason was saying, that one of the things you appreciate in, in the packs is the attention to detail. And, you know, I appreciated this even more uh, because since I'm a tinkerer myself, and uh, so I'm quite happy to sit down with a sewing machine and do a prototype, is there's nothing like going round all those corners, nooks and crannies, and thinking through what on earth the designer had to go through. And then you get an even deeper appreciation for the mastery of design that you've actually been able to put on. I think I would sort of characterize the packs as being, um, the first pack somebody is likely to try is because it was cheap, mass produced. Right. Um, no disrespect to the manufacturers, but they have to be very cost conscious. And so that puts constraints on their design. And I think once somebody has been out using a pack and then they sort of have some idea of how they would like it to work, that's a good time for them to move into ultraspire packs because then they understand the reason why it there are so many details that they are the way they are because right. they go, oh, I wish I'd had that <laughs> years ago or yeah. whenever. Um, versatility of design that it may not be obvious to you when you first use one of the packs why a feature is the way it is. And then, of course, some adventure comes up and you go, ah, <laughs> now I get it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, sheer versatility of design is sort of one of the things that runs through it. Um, and my own experience uh, s um, sort of interacting with the designer, because of course, I've, when I was first using this gear, I didn't know Bryce Thatcher from a hole in the ground. <laughs> and uh, 
but I'm also the sort of person who doesn't mind going sewing extra things on, cutting things up. You know, gear for me as a starting point, not an end point. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Chrissy Mail introduced me to uh, Bryce, and so uh, this was the first sort of gulp moment of, oh. <laughs> How is he going to feel about the fact that I've done all this part <laughs> of his packs? <laughs> you know, it's a bit like it. walking up to somebody and wondering, have I just called their baby ugly? <laughs> <laughs> well, not a bit of it. So it, it led to a sort of fascinating conversation. You know, at, least, at least for me, it was fascinating, talking to a real designer about things. And so... Uh, uh, and then sort of um, this experience since then of... Uh, finding myself sort of used as a bit of a mad scientist of uh, what else can one do with gear. So uh, I, I very much enjoyed uh, the experience. And I think uh, for anyone listening in who's never really tried on an Ultraspire product, anything you touch on that pack is a solution to someone's problem. Mm -hmm. Almost certainly the feature you touch and is puzzling you or making you wonder why is this there is because some athlete came to Bryce and said, look, I'm going to be doing this and I need something which does that. And can you come up with something? And um, the sheer responsiveness and t quickness of turnaround that Bryce sort of, uh, he waves his magic wand and mysteriously a pack appears out of somewhere which has this feature for people. And I think this sort of attention to detail uh, it sort of makes the brand what it is. And so I very much have enjoyed being uh, sort of a member of the peanut gallery in this, <laughs> in this process. <laughs> well, I mean, and it's true. I mean, because we've talked about it early on, but you, you look at a pack and there are so many, I won't say hidden because they're there, but mm -hmm. just uses, you know, right. between the bungees and the, the magnets and the, you know, the the adjustments, right? right so yeah. it can, you can get the fit that you want, but it's not overwhelming either. So it's like, I got to fine tune this thing for a day before I know it's going to fit. Right. Yeah, if I can give you an, just an example, I ended up with conversation with somebody today. You never think of the tape on the edge of a pack as being anything more interesting than wallpaper. But that, to my mind, that microfiber that Bryce found to do the edging mm -hmm. around it is actually quite ingenious because... One of the issues with many of the, shall I say, more mass market packs is if, if the edge of the webbing comes up against your neck, which is quite likely because it'll ride up over the top of your T-shirt, you're going to end up with a chafed neck. Right. There's something about the choice of that microfiber where if that does happen, I think you're very unlikely to end up with a chafed neck because of the way the, mat the material lies yeah. and interacts with your skin. But it's not obvious to you when you walk up to a pack that that gray micro, uh, microfiber has any interesting property at all, but it turns out it does. And there are a whole lot of other little sort of, uh, which must be sort of tricks of the trade, I guess, right. uh, which are inherent in those packs, which I, I find fascinating when the light bulb for me finally Five goes off and I go, ah, <laughs> <laughs> now I know <laughs> why that's there. <laughs> Or why did you choose that textile? Yeah. yeah. Well, it's not a racing stripe, but what, like you walk into a store, walk in and see it online. It's like, oh, that's a cool 
what do you call it, accent color or whatever. But as you said, right. there is a functionality behind it that some people never know. And right. Like for me, listening to you talk, it's like, oh, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I've been wearing them, so that makes a lot of sense. Well, I know you guys have had a long day. Yeah, we have. You to. guys have been the same thing, on your feet, talking to people, doing what you love. And so have we. We, we want to thank you both yeah, so much. Thank you. For being on the show. We'd love to circle back around when we get a chance. I mean, especially with Nolan's. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that, that story would be awesome because yeah. that would be super. And, Charles, I mean, what you've got to, to talk about. Well, talk about Everest. Yeah. That'd oh, Everest. Fun. Yeah, really. And Washburn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, some of those, those type legend. of stories. So. Yeah. We want to thank you both for being on the show. Right. You know, we really appreciate it. Um, Like I said, we'd like to circle back around. Um, But other than that, I think we'll let you guys go. Get some some shut-eye, another big day tomorrow. And, uh, yeah. Happy trails, everyone. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you for listening to the Trail Manners Podcast. Once again, we'd like to thank Ultra Spire for the invitation to come and talk to their athletes here at Outdoor Retailer Show. And a special thanks to Jason and Charles for an incredible show with some amazing stories. We sure would like to get both of you back on in the near future. We also want to encourage you all to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Trail Manners or swing by our website at trailmanners.com. Once you're there, you can check out our cool gear, represent the Trail Manners Nation, or you can contact us. Let us know what you want to see, who you want to hear, or if you would like to be on our show. So until next time, this is Eric Manning with Joel Hatch reminding you, You don't get what you wish for, you get what you work for. Now go get it.